When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, hello and welcome to the first of our midweek uh, Everything is Black and White podcast specials. Now, this one's a, a little bit different. We won't be necessarily talking about the, the matters on the pitch in these midweek specials. We'll be looking at some of the people at Newcastle United who don't necessarily hog the front pages or the back pages, um, but have a really key and interesting role to play in the kind of life of the football club. And the first uh, interview that we're going to be doing here is... Um, with Newcastle United's Head of Corporate Affairs, which is Brian Aitken, who um, I, I have a, a pleasure of kind of knowing from uh, him being the person who gave me my, uh, my break up here in the northeast. Brian, I don't know whether you, you regret that or whether, uh, whether it's worked out okay. But... I've got over it now, Matt. <laughs> right. So I suppose well, we should start with the Head of Corporate Affairs is a, is a title that sort of probably doesn't mean too much to your average fan on the street. I mean, what does it actually mean what 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 are the kind of responsibilities and roles that you've got and and it's a new role is I suppose it is I mean it's been I I joined the football club um, last close season and um, the brief was to re-engage the 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 football club with the business community and you know we had we had some good connections there but it probably wasn't they weren't as strong as they could be and there wasn't as many as there probably should have been so my 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 role is to um to to get out and about, meet people, uh, let them know that you know that we we want to position Newcastle United as a good corporate citizen, and that the, the the relationship with the football club is important to us. We want to be sat at the northeast business table, acting our size because we are, after all, the biggest brand in the region and should be giving more people a lead. Which what's quite, I find really interesting about this is that there is a kind of. Um, Last summer, we talked a lot about the revolution, the way that kind of Rafa Benitez was changing everything. But what I found really interesting about this was it was something that was kind of going on behind the scenes, which is still there now. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on around the football club at the moment, but it, it was something that was it was another little piece of the jigsaw, if you will, behind the scenes that maybe people didn't know about a little bit. Um, and that came directly from Lee Charney at the top, didn't it? It did, yes. And you know, Lee, Lee, when. when uh, Lee took on. He he took a look at the the structure of the club and decided he needed to to, to restructure it. it. It isn't something that would have hit the headlines in newspapers because after all, he, you're talking about the non-footballing side of yeah. things. But it's about structuring the club to to, to better 
meet the needs of, of, of a, a Premier League football club who has to act its size uh, off the field as well. Um, the new role that was, was, was made for me was part of that restructure. And uh, I have to say things have gone exceptionally well. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed the last year. I'm looking forward to this season. And uh, uh, long may the, the points keep, keep on coming in. I think what's, what, what I found kind of interesting about it was that it, it, it felt like it was another almost admission by the club that they maybe needed to be a little bit more proactive um, because we saw that quite a lot with a lot of the things that Rafa was doing, a lot of the things that the club then behind the scenes were doing with the media as well. But this was a kind of, uh, if, if by, the, by the club's own admission, really, that, look, we need to kind of get out there a little bit more. Yeah, and, and in some cases, it wasn't that the club were actually doing something wrong. It's just the perception was yeah. that they were. So, so a large part of my job is about changing people's perceptions rather than um, changing the reality. They, um, I, I spent the first three months in consultation with a lot of business people, so I gathered all that um, feedback and passed it on to, to, to Lee. And I think if, if it was to sum it up, it was basically many people felt that the club was sat there in splendid isolation with the drawbridge up, not taking an interest in mm. what was happening round about it, when actually that wasn't the case, but that was the perception. So my job is to let people know that not only is the drawbridge down, but that there's a welcome mat at the front door. Which is interesting because a lot of those businesses are, um, you know, the local businesses for some national businesses as well, but the guys who are, who are in Newcastle, you'd think it would be a quite an easy, an easy sell, if you will, because they are fans, but it's not necessarily the case. Newcastle have to go out and, and sort of show that they're, they're interested. And maybe, I think, when we've spoken before, we've talked about um, you know, perception, if you will, that, that, that Newcastle was kind of like, oh, well, we're a football club, people will come to us. And, that was, and this was a, uh, a sign that, you know, look, actually, that's not the case. Yes, and, and, and I think the club would probably accept that, that may, there may have been an element of that in the past and we definitely want to get, get rid of that, that, you know, we, we're, we're members of the Entrepreneurs Forum, we're members of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, we uh, actively go out and, and participate in business events now where we probably didn't used to as much as we did before. So it is about um, just making sure we're... we're, we're at the right places at the right time. So your job's actually it's as much a contacts job as anything, really. Yes, I, 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 where where a relationship doesn't exist, I try to form one. Where a relationship already exists, I try to strengthen it. Um, you know, people were asking, "Oh, is your job going to be harder?" This is last year. Is your job yeah. going to be harder because you're in the championship? And and I had to say, well, actually, no. My job is is, is about. The longer term, it's about building relationships with individuals and organisations and companies that will see the, that relationship last through good times as well as bad. Yeah, which is which I think is a kind of an interesting, an interesting point because um, obviously you know last season and everything that happened really really well for Newcastle last season was um, was was a part of it. But football, um, you know, it, it, the structure, if you will is there whether the team win, lose or draw and it's kind of the relationships which keep people coming back if the yeah. team's losing and if it gets relegated and, and I suppose that's one of the things that Newcastle hadn't done traditionally particularly yeah. uh, brilliantly in the past was maybe like have those relationships um, strengthened but that was something they really wanted to do. They, they want to do and it's an ongoing process and, and, and we're just cracking on with it now this season uh, in the same way as we did last. What kind of, what's the kind of the corporate 
um, sort of experience at Newcastle then? I mean, it's, you know, I've been up there like um, on time and, and it's the welcome, isn't it? It's the atmosphere that you get mm. in Newcastle United. There's a buzz, you know, no matter which, which um, whether you, you, you just take your seat in the stadium or whether you go to one of the corporate boxes or you're in one of the rooms where you, uh, where you can be sat at the tables, there's a buzz about the place. And, and uh, you know, the, even last season in the Championship, there was a real, real buzz about it. People felt... Well, you know, you're going to be having your Burtons and your Rotherhams and all mm. that. But anyone who was at the Rotherham match at St James's Park couldn't have helped but be impressed by the mm. Rotherham fans. They filled their allocation, they made a weekend of it, they sang their hearts out, they had a great day. And to a lot of those smaller clubs, coming to a 50,000-seated stadium was the highlight of the, of the year. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like... Um this is sort of a, an easier job to do because a lot of the businesses around here are Newcastle United fans or do you feel it's like that actually in some ways because a lot of them probably are season ticket holders themselves it's, a, it's almost a harder job to get them to come in and, and do a little bit some of this corporate spend Yeah well I mean I, I, I'm, I'm not there particularly trying to get money out of them I'm there yeah. to help you know grow the, grow the Newcastle United brand make people sort of warm to that brand um, but you know, I do find that I'm pushing at an open door because mm. there are so many Newcastle United fans out mm. there that, that you know, that, that they just want the club to do well, and and uh, I, I I I love that fact that there's a real warmth to the football club. There's a groundswell of goodwill mm. out there to be tapped, and I think that's one of the things that Rafa has managed to do, and that's one of the things that probably your makes your job a little bit easier is that you know that people are just willing the club to do well you know the, the whole region wants the club to do well and wants the club to do things properly yes and you know the, the, the final game of the, the, the season uh, when when we won the, the, the title was just one of those days you could just that, that noise that went round the stadium shortly after Gale had scored yeah. and we found out that Aston Villa had equalised. The noise that went round the stadium was was tremendous and then the, the, the feeling then, you know, when you go back into the into the hospitality suite and the, that place was just electric. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, does, does, has the Rafa effect made it easier um, for you from a corporate perspective or has it made it, uh, or has it sort of not had that much difference because it is about the longer relationship? It, it has an effect in that you know there is something about Rafa. He's, yeah. Everyone loves him, but there's a presence about him. You ask Liverpool fans, they'll tell you there's something about Rafa. So um, that warmth and affection that people naturally want to feel for the club, it's easier to do that when there's someone like Rafa there at the helm. So it's certainly not made my job any harder. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I mean he he comes with this um, with this sort of reputation, and I think that um, it's almost as if the things that he did. It was like the knock-on effect of everything last summer that, you know, you had this head of corporate affairs job and it felt like the kind of, you know, this was part of a momentum that you could maybe, that you could maybe, maybe, uh, like, sort of latch onto as well. Was yeah, it? no, I, I think that's probably a fair comment. And, and I did feel that I was join, joining an organisation that was in a state of positive change. Yeah. And that they knew where they were headed and how they were going to get there. So that that was a good feeling to be to, to join an organisation at that time. I always felt um, one of the interesting things as well that you you spoke about. Although a lot of these positive changes were attributed to Rafa, which is you know fair, absolutely fair enough because a lot of them were. A lot of the off the field stuff wasn't necessarily him. It was people sort of taking the lead on with that. And and what, what I found interesting was that it was Lee Charney who came to you. Um, there's a lot of sort of perception of who Lee Charney is, but I've met him before and found him, you know, for, for all the things that, that, that you know, have, have kind of said, but I find him pretty straight, pretty straight down the middle. Absolutely. Is that your experience? I, that it is. I mean, I hadn't met 
Lee until I was invited to come in and speak to him about the possibility of doing some work with the football club. Um, I was impressed straight away. Um, very straightforward and uh, straight talking, and I thought this is someone who I could work for. Um, we very quickly um, established a, a kind of uh, a method of how we wanted to move forward, and it, the, everything was agreed very, very quickly. Yeah, uh, there's been some quite interesting uh, experiences last season. I think you were. Um, I, I know for a fact that you know there were, some of the games probably would have been fantastic, not just from the stands, but in the in the kind of the boxes as well. I mean, uh, I think there was one against Norwich that you were kind of mentioning to me, which was pretty special. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the Norwich match anyway was special for anyone who'd been there. That you know, the two goals in the final three minutes of injury time were tremendous. This, but the, the 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 room that I was in contained the the Norwich table. So Delia Smith was there with her husband and and Ed Balls, who was still doing a strictly come dancing uh, training at the time. He'd come for a for a midweek match. I was surprised to see him there, but he's a Norwich director, and, and uh, of course they, they were all quite happy at half time, but not in the same mood um, as the rest of us in the room were uh, at the final whistle. But fair play to Ed Balls you know that, that he went round every single table in the room and said well done to people and, and uh, uh, he, he earned an awful lot of respect that night from a lot of people There must have been a buzz at the end of the season as well I can imagine oh, the, 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 the final match I mean I actually thought that Aston Villa might do us a favour and I still was quite confident that the club would, would win the, the, the title um, but it, it was the, the way the manner in which it, it was won just Made it tremendous, and the, the as I say, the, the the everyone was buzzing in that room, and uh, you know Mike Ashley was there, and um, then Rafa came in with the, the championship trophy, and and they were posing for pictures with people, and then it was just a lovely, lovely way to end the season, and uh, made, made you just sort of wish that the, the new season could start sooner. Yeah, I think that's the thing about Newcastle; it's this latent potential that we've that we've seen, and 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 I think there's that. That kind of feeling of you know Newcastle can be this huge thing that's a huge positive force for good in in the region as well, and I think even working within the club, you must get a kind of sense of that as well. Yeah, I do, and I've and I've also got a sense of the history as well because I've just actually come from the Tyneside Cinema, and if you go onto the third floor there, they've got um, a box on the wall where you can choose to look at all. This is Acast recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Newsreels from from previous years and one of the selections is the 1955 FA Cup final. Mm. Jackie Milburn scored a hat-trick. The last time Newcastle won a domestic. Yeah, and uh, they, they've got news footage there, not just of the game, but of the open-top bus um, <laughs> the day afterwards and the, and, the, and the speeches from the balcony and, and the, the thousands and thousands. of There was 40,000 people in St James's Park right. to see them back. So, you know, 
But the, the amazing thing is, yes, that's the last time they won a domestic trophy apart from the championship titles. But um, that same passion exists to this day, yeah. despite that. Yeah, which is which is absolutely incredible. I mean, a lot of people probably listening to this will kind of maybe have heard heard your name before, but they won't necessarily realise your background in newspapers. You were the editor of the journal. That's where. The uh, unfortunate, uh, your unfortunate decision to uh, give me a job uh, came in. But, uh, but I mean, what's the difference really in newspapers in this kind of corporate world? Because they are very, very different things. Well, you know, a lot of the things I um, have been employed to do at Newcastle United, I was employed to do as editor of the journal. Mm. Because if you take the journalism out of it, it's about representing a brand. Mm. It's about going out and engaging with people and seeing if there's areas of cooperation that were mutually beneficial areas that we can get involved in. So, you know, the journal is a strong business section. And uh, so I already had decent contacts from, from, from the business community. And those connections have come in very useful in my time here at Newcastle United. So there is still this ambassadorial representing a brand, going out, meet and greet. and and basically have people sort of warm to you. Now, at the, at the Journal, I was doing that because I wanted more people to buy the paper yeah. or to take out adverts at the football club. I just need more people to come through the doors of St James's Park more often. Not necessarily on match days, but yeah. there, there's all this hospitality and event side of things as well. So so my job, I think, is largely is down to get more people through the doors more often. Mm. You know, and given how many season tickets we're selling, that's yeah. <laughs> we're, we're close to capacity. Which is which is incredible, really. And 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 you know, it, it, again, it's I mean, that's a positive as well, isn't it? That you've got so many people, uh, so many people coming through the doors, and and hopefully getting a positive experience yeah. from your perspective as well. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, you know, it's it's a it's a job well done. When not only do I come into the, the, the stadium on a match day and see the place full, but it's a job well done when I come into the stadium on non-match days and find that there's very few parking spaces left because there's so many events yeah. taking place, conferences and meetings taking place within the stadium as well. Another similarity, which I, I think is a really important one, and it'd be quite good to, to get a, a former editor, so you're not, you're, not, you're not in the business anymore, but one of the things I like to tell people, because I don't think they necessarily believe it, is that um, bad news doesn't necessarily sell newspapers. So when we're talking about Newcastle United, we get a lot of people coming to us and saying, oh, well, you love to knock Newcastle. You love to knock them because it sells more papers when there's bad news or people click on stuff more when there's bad news. But, but that wasn't your, necessarily no, your impression. It's not, it's not the case at all, actually. I, um, it's, we, we sell more papers for Newcastle. We sold more papers when Newcastle won. Um, and we would probably sell more papers on the back of a, a really good win than mm. we would if the if the paper had a reason to have a go at something that was happening at the club for whatever reason. That that negative side of things it never did much for, for newspaper sales of the journal certainly, and uh, you know not just when it came to Newcastle United but when it came to anything. I believe that the paper should be a positive campaigning force for good, mm. and uh, we always kind of supported the region, su fought the region's corner, and fought for the people who live and work in, work in it. And we 
wanted nothing but the best for all the businesses in the region, including Newcastle United. We were the uh, we were actually behind the um, French edition of the journal, which was the, the journal. The journal. Yes. Johan Kabai was the uh, guest editor at the time. He, he didn't have much of a say in what what went on no, in no. the front. <laughs> but, um, but it was it was that was it was the kind of thing that Newcastle kind of got behind, and yeah. we worked in sort of partnership with Newcastle. So I suppose that's the kind of inspiration for the kind of job that you do. And that yeah. was it's partnerships and relationships. Absolutely, and and that's the kind of thing that you, know, you build up a. a relationship and then so when an idea like that comes forward you've got more chance of it happening because yeah. you've already got that connection one of the interesting things which i picked up earlier brian was you, you kind of said we but um mm. newcastle united is a kind of it, it's not your boyhood team obviously but it's also um it's it's been a bit more of a kind of recent thing hasn't it and i mean how does, yeah. that, how does that come about well I, I don't know how it came about mark it's, just, it's, it's, it's the easy answer i mean i i I'm an Aberdeen fan, a boyhood Aberdeen fan, although I, I, I must admit I probably have more interest in looking for the Newcastle United result now than I do the Aberdeen result. Yeah. But as I was growing up, you know, I, I was an Aberdeen fan before the glory years of beating Real Madrid in European Cup Winners' Cup finals, by the way. Just, <laughs> uh, it, just I'm, not, I'm not a glory hunter. But um, because of the strong Aberdeen connection at Manchester United, you know, Dennis Law, Martin Buchan, before the Alec Ferguson, Gordon Strachan time, uh, Man U was always my favourite English team, and uh, I always used to look out for Man United and wanted them to win. And I joined the journal in December 2003, and probably within a year or two of that happening, I happened to be uh, listening to the commentary on Radio 5 Live of, of Newcastle against Man U, and Newcastle went 1 0 up, and I went, Yes! And I stopped and thought, well, where did that come from? Where, I, I hadn't made a conscious decision that actually Newcastle's now my team, not Man United. Mm. But, but that was an indicator that actually Newcastle meant more to me. Mm. So despite the fact that the journal was a regional paper and, and you know we wanted the Middlesbrough and Sunderland and the Falcons and Durham Cricket to do well in the, in the sporting arenas, it was coming to St James's Park and cheering on Newcastle United that meant more to me. So, uh, you know... It, it, it had already got under my skin after a couple of seasons, and uh, it, that's not gone away. And you know, now my 14-year-old son's got his first season ticket. You know, he was born in Birkenhead, poor yeah. lad. Um, <laughs> when when I was based in Liverpool, but he, we moved here when he was six months old, and uh, you know, he's two and two. It's it's strange, isn't it? Because I think like uh, you know, my my kind of team isn't isn't Newcastle United, but I think. It gets under your skin if you if you come here, you work amongst people for whom it means so much. It, it's really difficult not to feel that passion and not to wish the best for the football club. Obviously, covering the club and being you know the, the cold face makes makes it very makes it a different thing. But there's something about the city, isn't there? There's something about the city as a place, as a football club, that just yeah. Get... And I got it straight away. You know, there's very. Uh... Being Scottish, I've seen the Tartan Army, that they're great ambassadors for, for their country. Um, the, how people view Newcastle United here is the same as how the Tartan Army view Scotland. Mm. The, the makeup of the people is very similar as well. I actually felt at home straight away when I got here. Mm. Didn't feel at home in Liverpool, didn't feel at home in Lincoln, but felt really very much at home here straight away. And my wife, who I met when I was in Lincoln, she obviously moved here with me and now views this as home and can't imagine living anywhere else either. It's just such a special place. I mean, I suppose we should finish on kind of where your job kind of goes from here. You know, you said it's it's about relationships. So I suppose, 
you know, do you feel like you're making a, a, an inroads into that? Do you feel like the, the club's in a better place than it maybe was at the, at the, when you came in or maybe a couple of, no, two, three years ago? I think, no, I think we have done a good job. Uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a other group of people as well that are working towards the same end. But I suppose uh, I'm sort of taking a lead on that. And I think there's been some really uh, positive signs that that's working. Um, the club are... 125 years old mm. on December the 9th so that will be the start of our birthday year so we'll be gearing up to try to put on events large and small to, to celebrate that um, the, that that momentous uh, anniversary so there's, there's a fair bit to, to be going on with but the, the work about relationship building and brand building goes on and uh, you know it wasn't that long ago that there was a, a survey published that despite the fact Newcastle were in the championship they're one of the fastest growing football yeah. brands in the world so um, I'm not going to claim any credit for that yeah. but it's an indicator that things are moving in the right direction and on a local level that's quite important that even though it's a big brand that has a national sort of front if you will on a local brand it, it almost needs to kind of nurture those those kind of relationships within within the city which is going back to what we were talking about at the start yes and and you know the feedback I'm getting from the football club is, is that they're happy. The feedback that I'm getting from the business community is that they like the fact that Newcastle are out there and amongst them. Yeah. And so uh, we just now need points on the table and we can have a really good <laughs> season. Hey, it's always the way. I, I, I remember like uh, speaking to my dad who used to work for a football club and he said, you know, the one thing about working for a football club that you don't get everywhere else is that it's all dictated by what 11 men do on the pitch but you've almost got to keep your head out of the game because people you know you can be doing a not particularly good job but if the team are winning everybody says you're doing a good job or you can be doing a, you know whatever kind of job and then uh, but if the team aren't winning then you know so it's I suppose the most important thing for the football club is to kind of keep building these relationships and that's why we felt it was really important to get you uh, to get you on board as well and uh, even though you're an Aberdeen even though you're an Aberdeen fan, uh, still got that kind of that kind of love for Newcastle. What do you think? What do you think is going to sort of happen this uh, this season in terms of the Premier League and everything? It's it's it, it. I think the thing that kind of struck me on Sunday was the sort of the feeling of kind of occasion, which was uh, you know it, it was it was a, a really big occasion for the football club, and it felt like. Premier League had moved on leaps and bounds really in, tw in, in sort of 12 months even. It felt like, you know, blimey, this league's really kicking on. I agree. I think the, the Premier League itself, you know, um, there's been a, there's, there's a levelling off yeah. taking place because you had pushed to accurately name the top four mm. this season and not only that, you've got a team like Burnley are capable of going to Stamford Bridge and being 3-0 up at yeah. half-time. And, and I think there's going to be a lot more results that will be surprising results because they're going to truncate the league. The, 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 you're not going to see a team fall away like we have done in previous seasons. Um, so therefore, it'll be quite tight. Yeah. Um, and finally, this is the, the promise you the last question. Did you ever have a front page in mind if Newcastle had won a trophy? Did you ever have something in your mind that you were going to that you were going to lead the front page with? Because I know you were you were very good in terms of some of the front pages looked. Looked fantastic. I, I, the answer is no, and the reason why the answer is no is because I'm actually very visual, and yeah. so therefore I believe in taking what you've got and then seeing how you can work with it. Yeah. So, uh, as an example of that, um, the, the demolition derby, the the way that that front page ended up looking, um, was was driven by the Kevin Nolan celebration yeah. with the, uh, yeah. the arms out, and I then immediately had this view of 
blow up the Kevin Nolan picture and put the other four goals round about it and, yeah. and smaller and, and with just with the great big demolition derby yeah. headline on it. So that was born not because I, I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. It was, I've seen that picture, that's the main picture. I'm going to go big on that. And then I immediately saw the, the, the rest of it round about it. So had Newcastle won a trophy when I'd been editing the journal, I would have been in the newsroom as soon as I could looking at all those pictures yeah. because the picture would then drive the headline yeah. and, and drive the look and feel of it so I, that's how I worked I think I think <laughs> it's uh, you know it's, it's something that we all hope is going to happen sooner rather than later but Brian fantastic thank you very much for your time and uh, good luck with the rest of the job cheers man Nederland is een kenniseconomie maak daarom kennis met NCOI met 27 locaties de grootste opleider van werkend Nederland Ga naar ncoi.nl voor meer informatie. Hoe hoog leg jij de lat? This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast that is. It's a spin-off of our show Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.